understand it. I mean, that's complete nonsense, right? It can be taught to anyone. Uh, it is intuitive to some degree, and it's not like an intelligence thing. And, you know, we had some black cards, one of them which said the pretty factual point that Zionism is racism. You know, it's not just a moral stand, it's a political stand. What you're talking about is the role that Israel plays securing the interests of US and British imperialism in the Middle East. And it would be talking about Iraq or Afghanistan or something. Today, where I am, and I like understand these conflicts that have literally been going on since I was born. It's just like horrifying. It's not. It's not British culture. It's just the world's culture. They love stories. They love this idea that there is this nation that looks like this. I think it's a distraction from the class struggle, to be honest. Thank you for again tuning into Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. Of course, at the end of the intro then, you just heard Zola from the part one of Diaspora Britain, where we talked about race, religion, social segregation. In this episode, we get to continue that conversation and even go further into some of the themes such as religion, social segregation, and what it does for the psyche of both immigrants and the British population. I'm not going to spend too long on the intro, I'm going to go into it now, but please just listen to this disclaimer. We're categorising different groups of human beings, such as calling them Muslims, Christians, British population, people from the Middle East, you know, all kinds of immigrants. Of course, this is part of religion, you know, it's there to separate people into different groups so that one group is better than the other group and then all these little groups can fight amongst themselves and then keep them from uniting against the ruling class bourgeoisie. So, you know, please recognise that whilst we oppose categorizing different human beings into different groups in order for us to accurately navigate around these intricate issues and problems that this categorization faces we have to at least use the vocabulary that enables you to recognize what kind of group of people we're talking about so please recognize we're against categorization of course we're against racism but we just have to use some of the the language and putting people into groups which so it sounds counterintuitive but i hope you recognize it's not so we're going to go into the interview now with zola part two diaspora britain racism religion and social segregation bush okay cool welcome back on the show zola very happy to have you back on with us i really think we've done a great job last time on the discussions that we're talking about extremely important topics i really hope that people can empathize i'm sure they can and we didn't really finish off on everything that we were talking about we still had a few more questions to go through so thanks for coming back on the show so that we can finish this off oh it's my pleasure so without further ado shall we crack on Next up, I've got a closely related topic on what we were discussing last time, and it's going to be an interesting question. So, how, in your opinion, do you think that we can get more left engagement on a human level rather than any kind of political, liberal level? So, my question to you is, how, in your opinion, can people transcend politics, patriotism, and really connect with the fellow human when we're talking about these discussions. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on this, and then I'll also share my own. I think this is a really good question because sometimes uh, people don't actually listen to podcasts like this because they don't feel engaged. I think 
the first point in how we can make them feel more engaged about it is relevance. For example, uh, if you see the recent history of Poland or Romania, many Eastern European migrants that at least I've met, they are proof that communism in their countries didn't work. And that's why they think that if, if that is the reason why they have suffered, then you know, traveling and getting a good life here is probably the, the best thing for them, right? And it is, it's also similar to migrants from former colonies when they glorify the very reason their countries need a miracle to be independent because their countries aren't independent because of, you know, the, the, the you know, like England or, or France or something. So they depend on capitalism by traveling here and getting a good job, but it exploits them for their own gain. And they don't see that because they are now getting much more benefits than they were in their home country so when we i don't think we can ignore that when when it comes you know where they're coming from otherwise they wouldn't listen to people on the left because they think that it is because of their own um you know like their own shortcomings that they're not rich or whatever and then they go to our countries and they get jobs and then suddenly they think that, you know, capitalism worked out for them when it didn't. It has to be relevant and also to highlight the maximization of pleasure that we all get from having a socialist country. Because, like, that's the truth in the world. We live for pleasure. If, if anyone is saying that we're living for the glory of our nation or for the glory of anything else, that's just dogma. For example, most of the former colonies, they, they don't relate to each other's independence even though they all struggled to gain independence from the same Britain, but they don't relate to each other because they don't feel the story is relevant. Yeah, good stuff there, Zola. Absolutely agree with uh, all of it. It's very interesting. I'm just going to talk out some points that you mentioned. So people in Eastern Europe who are living proof that communism failed in their countries... Yeah, you see these people, so even if you defend communism or socialism online, these are the people who are like, I live in Estonia or I live in, you know, Lithuania and we know that the Soviet Union fell, communism failed is, and capitalism is the only way forward. And it's like, how can you, how can you as a Westerner, like argue with these people for communism when it's failed in their country? Um, of course, the reason for it failing is because the Soviet Union was getting attacked left, right and centre and within its own country. At, um, communism was constantly seen as the world's biggest enemy. And, you know, again, the US was willing to blow up the entire world to defeat communism. <laughs> like, that's how far they were willing to go. So, yeah, that's why communism failed in their countries. But, you know, despite this, you can't just say that and then expect people to go, OK, yeah, no, you're right, I'm, I'm a communist again. Yeah, so it's very interesting. And just a down-to-earth, you know, level you're on, um, and I, I properly love your perspective. So mentioning people want to leave those countries and come over to the West. And how can you argue against that? Because they're over there in a failed communist state, which is now just a, a massive military base for NATO. And of course, they're 
alternative is to have a better life in a country like the UK where you can, you know, you can get a telly and a couch and, you know, a washing machine and, you know, a dryer, you know, on credit from flipping Bright House or Argos or something and, you know, get access to finance and credit cards. So, you, you know, the, the these people are definitely going to have better lives over here. But, of course, it's that's the whole point in, you know, how, how the world's set up is so they can come over and be cheap labour. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, interesting points. Good to analyse and add some perspective. Because we definitely can't and shouldn't ignore where they're coming from, particularly when we are trying to engage them more towards the left. Yeah, very well said. Please continue. <clears throat> so most people aren't subject matter experts, of course, and I'm not one. Like I don't read theory like, um, like I've read in your, um, like I've seen in your podcast. You you do quote a lot of theory that I have. I'm not like a subject matter expert, and that's why I think we need to contextualize how beneficial socialism or how beneficial. Uh, for example, the, the, the Marxist-Leninist analysis that you have been giving in your podcast, it is. We need to show that because a lot of humanist organization and humanist help that we have, they are 100% a leftist approach to deal with the failings of capitalism. But it fails to deliver why it does that. Like, why do these organizations do that? And why does capitalism fail? And people are forgetful. Like, I don't think the left has one face it you know we all have this part of us that is the left like i don't think that you know the migrant workers that come um to britain they don't they, they're not capital like they're not benefiting from capitalism and at the end of the day all they want is just a maximization of pleasure and if we can show that that if we eradicate the reason of suffering in the first place which is capitalism you know it just has to be relevant because again Every single country has a story that is irrelevant to the other country because we don't focus on, on you know, the ruling class or class struggle. That is something that is universal between us. And that's what makes the story relevant. Yeah, again, correct mundo. I'm just going to bring out a few points. So when it comes to theory and educating, this is a massive part in spreading class consciousness. Class consciousness is important because this is how you tell people that know all the problems in your life are caused from a specific class of people. And here is how through the the theory, through Marx's uh, telling you about capital and just explaining money labor and then you've got like you know other philosophers and thinkers talking about culture and this is how you connect the individual story of one person with the life story of somebody else so all these people have problems in their life which you mentioned which are separate from one country to another yet the problems ultimately derive from capitalism so this is how and this is where alienation is so important and feeding people racism is to alienate one person's life story from another and this is why hate and separation is great because if people do talk about you know their life will will all see that we're all workers being exploited by bosses and we're all you know, citizens of capitalist nations. So, yeah, good good point, Solar. 
So we just mentioned money there. Let's talk about your thoughts on the wreath of all evil as well as centrism. Uh, the idea of money is something a lot of people don't understand, even though they use every day. For example, I see so many people saying I don't like politics when they realize that I have a very strong opinion on it and that they are told that this is a kind of a scare opinion. You know, anything on the left is a, is more of a, a scare opinion to them. So... When I say something like that, and, and then they, they're like, I don't like politics because they don't want to have this conversation. But then how come you have a wallet? How come you have a credit card? Because money is like in our world where democracy isn't entirely true. Like you, you have options between the far right and the far, far right. That's not democracy. So if, in a world where you don't really have options, money is the only way you're actually voting for something money and of course your labor because in capitalism your labor is essentially just worth money you're just selling your time and you're buying money so you can't say like if if you say that if you say i don't like politics and then you have money and you you buy things and you you know decide to support uh companies that you know perhaps exploit their workers or something what are you saying about yourself you know i don't think centrism is pacifism i think it's a, it's centrism is a way of um saying that they are okay with the ruling class and that and that they're okay with whatever what's currently happening because if i had a socialist country i wouldn't be you know i would i would then probably maybe be a centrist because then i don't care right because then i'd be happy but if you're centrist and you're saying Centrism doesn't mean you don't like politics. It actually means you're supporting the idea of having what we're having right now, you know? And I think because people are so afraid of being called on the left, that there are some great people that actually have... have they're, they're still here right now and in power and everything. There are some great people, but they don't like to call themselves on the left. For example, uh, Merkel is actually center-right, but... It was because of uh, her and um, I don't know the guy before her, but it was because of uh, it was because of you know what happened after the unification of Germany in the EU. Like the contribution that they have done has actually brought a lot of prosperity to uh, Europe uh, to uh, okay to the European Union. It is in it is actually essentially socialist ideas and socialist principles, and it is remarketed under capitalism in order not to threaten the ruling class. But it is the closest thing that we have gone from like capitalism to fade slowly into a socialist uh, kind of thing. As what you were saying before, um, people, you know. Th- people that come from these uh, ideas of like you know we should be afraid of communism these people actually suffered because of capitalism and that's why you see cuba like you were saying it was having um like so many countries are opposing to it that's why capitalism is toxic it doesn't allow people to have a different opinion how can you call this democracy and then whenever capitalism fails which is for example now when we have the corona thing and you can see in america they don't have uh, many socialist ideas they don't have health insurance so what they're doing is that they're giving people uh, tax returns they're giving people um i forgot what the name of it was it was a second check that they gave them and it is simply just uh quick fix socialism 
it's just like a bandage that they put on the failing capitalism instead of addressing the main issue. That's why um, ideas like grassroots organization or like bringing it to the community around you because people have to know what the benefits are for for socialism. They have to understand that it's because what capitalism does, they buy their votes. For example, would you vote for a, for a rich man? No. Because if you don't vote for him and he doesn't become rich, you won't have a job because he's the one who gave you your job. That's that's the principle of capitalism. And, and I believe that's why people vote for, in, in America at least, they vote for rich people because they think rich man gives jobs, therefore we have to vote for a rich man. Um, but it's essentially buying their vote. And it's funny because I've always heard that communist countries buy their voters and it is they just have to look in the mirror whoever's saying this has to look in the mirror because that's what capitalism does so if we have um grassroots organization just uh, again to the point of like being relevant to the community around us if we show people what exactly socialism even means and what it would do to their lives they would vote for this and it's not and, and it is not buying their votes. It is their own belief. Yeah, beautifully said, Zola. So just touching upon centrists. Centrists, of course, are people who say they're not left-wing, they're not right-wing, they just stay in the middle, they just want to go through their individual life, of course, as consumers, um, and, and not really take a side. But as you mentioned, of course, as long as you've got money, as long as you've got a wallet, you're participating in the economic system of globalization. That's just what it is. You're being an active participant in capitalism. So whether you choose to, you know, go out there with a Che Guevara flipping sign or or like a Donald Trump sign, like you're still participating in politics, you mad people. So these people really remind me of flat earthers and it's a bit of a mad analogy, but just to say flat earthers, I think are people who aren't willing to accept the world that we live in, the world of course being a huge globe, a blue marble traveling through space, hurtling through space, hurtling around the Milky Way, around the sun, you know, just the beauty and the miracle of life and DNA forming on planet Earth to get us to the point where we're sentient and we're wandering the Earth with seemingly no other purpose but to explore the planet and explore ourselves and explore everything our senses can pick up to, again, as you say, to experience the best life. So, to me, I think the the biggest problem with these flat earthers is and how they relate to centrist is the fact that they're not willing to accept reality as it is because as it is currently is a miracle of life being heavily exploited and raped by capitalism and by the ruling class so it's easier to turn around and say no this is not how it is you know we didn't come from the big bang and all these celestial bodies form out of gases because if that happened then why are we destroying the planet? Why are we destroying each other? Why are we murdering each other? Why are we against each other? Why is the all this hate? So that, to me, is the underlying fundamental of why I think flat earthers exist, because it's too hard to believe a government that, is, that would take advantage of 
all of life on planet Earth in such a way. So they turn to a conspiracy theory and, and centrist are almost in the same because not recognising that the world is either capitalist or communist and it is fermented on class struggle is really burying your head in the sand and that's you know essentially what flat earthers are doing they're burying their head in the sand because the world doesn't make sense to them yeah so i've rambled enough now please go on to liberalism yeah definitely about actually uh the idea of liberalism this is my second point i think liberal media is also a big part in why youth especially nowadays are not being more socialist because they like to derail situations for example capitalist horror stories like a homeless man it's just uh shown as hey look at this charitable person uh giving money but instead why is this person homeless and you see like they've juggled jobs they've just got sick and then it's horror stories and they just derail the conversation into not even focusing it's you know a lack of class conscience basically if I am to sum it up uh, also the idea of um, social justice warriors for a lack of better term uh, basically any kind of activism is just gone into the extreme side of, of liberalism which has also um, you know a lack of class conscious and materialism and co- consumerism like that kind of heightened level of consumerism like that's why a lot of people nowadays are becoming more um, onto the far right because they think the world is just especially people on the right think the world is like a, a two-sided coin it's either you're on the far right or you're a social justice warrior they don't understand what communism is it stands for because that is what the media portrays like if you're not uh, you know conservative if you're not sex positive then you're immediately uh, on the far right which is not true uh, for example we on the left, we're against apartheid. We're against uh, a lot of values that um, perhaps conservatives do see and would criticize if it's not if they're not the ones doing it. I, I believe that conservatives that really do hate apartheid in certain countries would have no issue if it was them on the top. And because of that, they think that social justice warriors are just the enemy, or or like if if they're not this, then they have to be that. Um, Right, there's this other term that a friend of mine, he's a Marxist, he told me about. He's he's basically like this whole cultural bullshit. I call it scare words. For example, Hillary Clinton and what's his name? Joe Biden. Am I pronouncing this one right? I think it's pronounced creepy pedos going bag with no memory. Uh, like Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. These people are far from anything on the left. And... I'm really, really, really disappointed in uh, Bernie. I'm really disappointed in Bernie because he's chickening out. He's saying we should not have billionaires. We should abolish billionaires, which is a great sentence. And then he chickens out to people who have no relation whatsoever to the left. And people are like, yeah, maybe friends of a center-left person, which they consider uh, apparently a socialist, uh, like, friends of this person must also be socialist. And this is so far from the truth. Like, I hate it when when media portrays 
people that are really on the right just masquerading as leftists for no reason and acting like yeah we're gonna hate this person because he's on he's not even on the left and even if he was you shouldn't be talking about the left without understanding it it's this is the one thing that that creates a kind of distance between um people and information and like true information on the left yeah you know i know very astute observation so just on liberalism of course these liberals have done nothing except grow up by state school and state education state television everything to do with the status help form how they think it's taught them the language it's taught them how to dress it's taught them how to treat one another uh, that's all a liberal is basically it's just a battery for capitalism and it takes again class consciousness to break out of this uh, you know this this thought pattern in which they've used normal plasticity the you know the your neurons like forming in your brain of a shape specifically in order to benefit capitalism in order to benefit your nation our brains are shaped in such a way just to be robots for capitalism that's just how you know neural pathways in the brain are formed and when it comes to yeah i always knew bernie was a class creator scumbag anyway so to tell you the truth like there is a point in having Bernie like there was a point in saying Bernie's left wing and saying he's communist and socialist it's a direct the people's attention Lenin mentioned that they'll do this to neutralize communist movements when it gets so strong and so you know prevalent that they'll actually pick up so-called left-wing politicians and then have them run for elections because what you have is people joining DSA and giving all, all hundreds of pounds and or dollars and, you know, poor people giving Bernie's campaign donations, believing he's some flipping new Karl Marx running for <laughs> running for government. It's a joke, it's a scam. People fall for it. Again, that's why I've always said if you're a Bernie supporter, you're a liberal because you blatantly are all of Bernie's campaign donations that have been taken off poor people are probably in the Biden campaign now. You know, this is how absurd it is. It's a joke here that genuinely makes me sick. Uh, I'm not gonna try and go on it for too long. It could be a podcast all in itself, but you know these are genuinely things just to distract people from actually i mean just imagine all of these campaign donations that bernie got if people actually donated them to the local revolutionary organizations those local revolutionary organizations could have done mass mutual aid they would have had food banks all around the country right now when people are being laid off the jobs but instead bernie's bank is is packed with all the people's working class donations you know it makes me sick and this is what why we always say don't do electoral politics if you are you're a liberal castrator support your local revolutionary organization because they need it more even if you're not going to be involved in politics just donate to your local revolutionary organization help them out this is how we'll form you know systems in place so that when again the economy comes down on us working people we're already out there supporting each other with these systems uh, in order to protect each other whether whether it is food banks or whether it is other sub mutual aid schemes point being it is genuinely planned out to to be this way it's you know it's nothing unique 
just additionally before we move on i just want to say let's look in a year or two three years when the next candidate runs and then people who genuinely were apparently socialist during the bernie campaign are now no longer socialism because they're gonna be out there saying oh no we tried four years ago i'm not gonna try socialist again because it failed and even if bernie would have won uh, like it would have been imperialism for four years and then after that people would just think oh no we had socialism in america you know um it, there was all of these problems we're never going to have socialism again even though it was never socialism but uh, alas let's move on now because I'm, I'm fuming already let's move on to your third point online engagement I think this is a golden time with Corona because for the longest time, there has been so many far right recruitment that has been going on on the Internet. And this is the golden time that we can reach real people. I mean, people that, you know, belong to the working class that have their bad and good experiences, especially now I have seen in Australia, I have seen uh, teachers organizing because there's so many in so many countries uh, capitalism is just failing on the same scale. People are, you know, employers are refusing to pay. They they try. They're starting to like test their luck uh, with vulnerable employees. And one thing we're not doing is using their own terms and arguing with them. So, yeah. th- like th- before, there was a, a left podcast like this on the internet. Most of the time, you'd go into forums and you'd find. That the right has created a bunch of scare words for themselves. They they created this um, new vocabulary that no one in real life uses. Just to interrupt a sec, uh, the left do this too. That's why I hate chapo chapos. They make me sick with all of these stupid terms that they use. And they use these terms. So, for example, if you put on Google some bogus statistic about um, about racism that they have created. All the results will be the will be the ones that they have found. So it's like we are all on the clear net, but they have their own layer of the internet that you won't see. And especially thanks to Google's algorithm and YouTube's algorithm, I'm not blaming them, but thanks to this algorithm, uh, you just get recommended from one thing to the other. I think there's a term, uh, some YouTuber coined this term, it's called the PewDiePie pipeline. And it was... It was actually analyzing uh, the, I think it was called Christchurch shooting, the one in New Zealand, the shooting in New Zealand. It was an excellent video. I think it's 30 minutes long. I think uh, our viewers should should listen to this one because it basically explains how you can have one, you can have like one side of the internet that completely doesn't talk to the other side, especially even now, like even this conversation we're having it's a li- every single conversation on the internet is an echo chamber, just as it is in real life. But because of this corona thing, I think we should we should engage with people. We should, uh, you know, like you utilize this because right now, if we look at how things were a hundred years ago, history is kind of repeating itself. We're seeing, uh, you know, people not having jobs, and then suddenly they're gonna go into the extremities and this is the perfect time for us to prevent that uh, we think we're better than that though and then the ignorant stay ignorant because they search for the wrong words 
that only the far right uses. I think, you know, we could use this chance to speak to each other, to encourage online engagement and, you know, just have a discussion, just talk about, because everyone, even if they think that they are capitalist, everyone right now is experiencing uh, a lack of job security and seeing the failings of capitalism. Once again, some really interesting points there. I'm going to touch upon a couple now. So one thing, I don't know whether it's called the PewDiePie plan or something, but that, like, I'm thinking of one thing, and I think the PewDiePie plan is another. So the PewDiePie plan is basically how you know these terminologies can lead to violence, what is it and how to avoid it, how edgy humor leads to violence. Some search results show me, but... I mean, that that's what it is. It's to make a joke out of extremely serious situations because people themselves are living jokes uh, to capitalism and they're really articulating them, themselves as people, as consumers to capitalism. They're articulating, of course, how their brain is hardwired and that is living, breathing jokes because that's what we've become. Uh, we have to use satire and we have to use, you know, again, you've heard that term, if we don't laugh or cry, and that's really what it is to an extreme point, except with all of people's added insecurities and racism and classism, all a part of their, uh, their, their consciousness. Right, the next point, extremely, extremely important, other people let this sink in. It is something I, I don't know exactly what it is or where I've heard it, but it's definitely in my brain. I've heard it from somebody somewhere extremely intelligent, and it is this concept which you talked about where everybody is themselves just in echo chambers online. So that is to say that, of course, if you're, if you're browsing Reddit, you're only on the class traitor liberal communist subreddit or, you know, the social socialism subreddit uh, or even the even worse liberal super liberal uh, uh, chapel trap house subreddit which again brings about these terms like all of these terms uh, like I, I don't even know them off the top of them yet because I avoid them that much and the people who use these terms on my subreddit do go I mean I'll look on the profile and I'll always see that they're frequent chapel trap post posters and then I'll just ban them because I don't have term like all of this. I don't even know what it is, but like the terms such as like TERFs and just basically all of these stupid fucking terms that come out of nowhere and then suddenly like every one of these, you know, so so-called socialists are using them. It, it Again, as you said, it, it only separate people so people are in their own echo chambers using these terms and they're getting upvotes and social validation because they're with the trendy new terms that people all around the world use rather than their own isolated nationalist or even like the culture from their city like I'll use you know slang enough from Liverpool but these you know, the, these so-called socialists are using their own terms uh, worldwide because of internet phenomenon and trends. And you know, it, what good does that do? Well, it it it, it only does good for the right wing because we all look like cringy children now. Thanks very much for that, by the way, people. Um, you know. So people again on the right are forced into deeper their own right wing things, and you take an example of this is uh, people 
in Facebook groups, for example. Facebook groups, if you run a Facebook group or you're part of a Facebook group, you're, it's extremely exclusive to people with your ideology, whether it's left-wing or right-wing, it's extremely exclusive. And then you have people... You know these these members and these leaders of the group who are constantly vigil that nobody else with a separate opinion gets into these groups, and then we see it as like we actually consider it as a form of infiltration, as a form of like oh these have got in that they're trying some kind of cyber warfare, you know, talking about their own opinions on within our echo chamber. But what does that do when you've got two sides of? You know, the political spectrum, you know, of course, the centrist on the right hand side as well. You've got them on their own side of the Internet talking, you know, just bullshit to each other. Yeah. Well done, Zola, bringing that out. It's great points because, you know, the practical purpose of this is to not just give them shit and then call them out for the cringe lords in which they are. You know, the idea is to recognise that while everybody is forced into the home during coronavirus, we have to reach out to these people who would be isolated in their own groups and be able to actually, you know, use our brains and communicate them in a way that doesn't alienate ourselves because we haven't used this this internet culture that just somehow defines us as trendy you know uh, like you know cool communists who are just you know at, at the precipice of where we are as a movement and culture you know that doesn't exist we have to break through all of this and then just be able to speak to people you know on their own terms again with the express purpose of class consciousness and solidarity and yeah it's it may be difficult to actually achieve this and bridge this gap but it is so true people should absolutely consider just how how many echo chambers there is on the internet now my subreddit's the only one i know of late stage imperialism that allows for liberals and you know people with opposing left-wing views i hate the term left-wing i'm on about people who are coming out as communist socialist revolutionaries i allow them on the subreddit you know as long as you don't break reddit terms and conditions and i'll just label them with the term liberal or capitalist next to the name so that when it comes to you know discussion all of all of the members on the subreddit recognize that they're speaking to a liberal and then what this does is it doesn't just make them go out on the attack going oh you're a liberal you're a capitalist you're a class chaser blah 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 what it does is it helps them be able to recognize who they're talking to so that they can more appropriately discuss and share our ideas and then have progressive conversation and i have increasingly seen these liberals and capitalists actually make comments that have made me think whoa did they put that flair there themselves as a joke um only to find out that no i actually put it there but they are actually changing an opinion because people have engaged with them so you know these uh, ways we can do it but let's just really go away and consider how to engage with extreme right-wing people or not even that right-wing people uh, without again making ourselves look like cringe lords uh, and propagating and sharing you know cultures fermented on these 
within these echo chambers uh, because the world should not be an echo chamber and you know you see this in discords all the time you see like people have got vetting you've got to be able to accurately describe what is Marxist Leninism you've got to think what do you think of China you know all of these vetting questions again on my discord I don't have a vetting I don't give a shit if you want to come on my discord and speak speak God damn it, I, I don't care what ideology you've got. Uh, you know, you want to break the rules and offend people, I'll ban you. But until then, what, what do I look like? You know what I mean? What do I look like, a class traitor or somebody who's trying to bring about solidarity? Come on, people. You know, as you said, the ignorant stay ignorant. But again, final point, yes, uh, even the middle class who are blatantly capitalist, uh, they can't work. I'm seeing people who were supposed to be next year inheriting the business that the dad's been building the whole entire life. And then suddenly, because of this coronavirus, the dad's forced to retire early. The business does not exist. And then this lad who was going to be like CEO of that business uh, can no longer run this business that his dad's made because now he's stacking shells with me as a so-called key worker. You know what I'm saying? So this is... <laughs> Like, even if you're middle class, you're still fucked because of capitalism, and we have got to express that and articulate that. And, you know, who's to blame? Well, of course, it's it's capitalism itself. It's, it's you know, the ruling class. But next up, as if people are probably already thinking this podcast is sectarian and offensive, uh, I'm sorry if you think that. Or it's obviously not. I'm just talking real shit. But so all uh, Let's move on now to the most controversial bit of this whole episode, but also something extremely important because religion is something that's all around the world. It has been for thousands of years. It's something that ties people with spirituality and culture and belonging and love and prosperity in their life and routine. So let's go into your analysis of religions, especially with your background. This should be really interesting for people now. Again, I just want to re-emphasize the fact that whilst we are using categorizations of people, the whole express purpose of this is to break down the categorizations, but while the categorizations exist, we can't have a universal perception of people. So, yeah, let's go into religion. Definitely, I just hope that um, this is going to come off a little bit more blunt because a lot of people don't like to talk about religion as... Uh, you know, in a sense of being respectful. Don't worry about it. Despite mate. how I see it, I see religion as you know a big slap in the face for a lot of humanity, uh, for a lot of cultures actually. I'll start with Islam because because uh, I was raised as one. I was raised as Muslim, and I think in the previous episode we did talk about ISIS and how their uh, Paris attacks and you know how ISIS being a Western created. And more of a like a modern West created phenomenon, and how domestic terrorism is actually much more common. Like when we talk about domestic uh, religious terrorism, it is definitely a thing that happens in Western countries, despite the statistics showing that domestic terrorism um, or Islamic terrorism is not even a thing. It's not even uh, in good proportions. It's simply one of those things that, uh, one of those scare words, so people don't 
um, so people just point at the wrong person you know another another form of tribalism or racism but essentially but the reason why this is happening is it's just simply a, a happening only on the west right um, in in Muslim majority countries the story is completely different because it's not an identity to them uh, you know their religion is not an identity but because of what's happening ISIS is the, the the embodiment of the religious right that was created by uh, the Western uh, current Western society I don't want to go too much into into um, colonial history but there were many a times that uh, for example in North Africa there were many countries that had extremely progressive values and then when the French colonists they came along they kind of taught them values like homophobia and conservatism but now they switched the, now they switched the coin now they call people from these countries as being regressive and I see it as just a repetition of that times as well because during those old times they would have they would call these people regressive for uh, you know having nude beaches essentially or just not you know just actually having fun in life and then now now that they have radicalized them into a more strict and fundamentalist form of christianity and of a fundamental islam they say yeah now you're being regressive it's the idea of, of supremacy and superiority that i see in the religious right especially which brings us to christianity i think the problems with christianity historically are many but for now i've just summoned five points the first one is that it enables white nationalism because of the identity uh, being you know christian more than for example white as a word it doesn't make sense to be white why you you know you could be english or french or spanish or german but the idea of white nationalism which as we can see uh, we have actually another far-right uh, party in austria and thankfully they didn't pick up in the uk but not for the right reasons but all they think about is being white is an identity which you know doesn't make sense we have different cultures there's different everything in it but this is enabled through christianity through the idea that other religions and other people need to be converted to be saved because they are born of sin and we're not going to talk go into of course um how christianity or how the bible views uh darker skin colors that's another that's another issue um so that's where Christian values is really a misnomer because progress, progressivism or liberty values or understanding human rights did not come from Christianity. And yet countries until today uh, like to say things like this is based on Christian values as if that's a good thing. And I think it's a remnant of colonial past, which should definitely, we should definitely not be proud of that at all. Um, there, then there's also the erasure of European culture, which is sad because so many times there's fe festivals and just important cultural points that, that are really nice but then you're supposed to discard all that to be christian and then you, you become 
basically it just erases your base culture just the same way as colonists have tried and tried time again to erase indigenous cultures whether it is in Australia or America or in Africa they have it is in a similar way but because of this idea that if you have white skin you have uh, a history with colonial past it means you don't really get in touch with your culture so it's it's basically a death trap like uh, being a christian and joining the the religious right is just bound to happen as it has happened many times before even during the times of the crusades and during hitler with the nazis this is the same model and it's going to keep happening now um especially in america the the point of why it's going to happen Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you there because I know that you're going to move on to another religion. So let's just talk about Christianity. Christianity itself is uh, the biggest farce in the world. And the reason why like, it's so prevalent in Europe is because, you know, from the Middle Ages, it was used to, you know, dominate Europe. Like we talk about the church and the state all the time, but even just to show how absurd and how ideologically dominating this is, just look at Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland and the and the religious, you know, unrest that they had with the people of the Republic of Ireland. You know, they were Protestants, first Catholics, and this is all Christianity. So these Northern Irish people are actually defending a religion and killing for their religion. Um, when, uh, like, their religion is literally exists purely so that King Henry VIII can div- divorce his many wives. Uh, so he created a new religion called Protestant- Protestantism, and that's what that religion is. It is an, uh, an abomination of Catholicism. So, you know, this is, you know, I'm just bringing out how, how stupid religion is, really, to tell you the truth. You know, it's it's stupid that people buy into it, but it's also very cleverly uh, constructed to dominate the minds of the people in the same way that money now is the dominating uh, religion. People worship money, of course. So moving on now to your next religion, just and the point that you're making that the religious right always forms together. So please tell us how that's going to continue to happen. It's because in... Judaism, Christianity and Islam, there's a prophecy of the end times. Uh, This is where actually uh, Judaism has the more troublesome part of the religious right because of the apartheid country of Israel that is um, based on the prophecy. And countries like America and, you know, capitalists, the reason why they are helping them because of their Christian values, they tell them that the prophecy of end times has to happen. And for it to happen, Jews have to be in Jerusalem. And they're willing to do so through exploitation and through apartheid. Um, so that's why in even in present day Jewish community you find archaic forms of religious extremism and the general denial of authority in whichever country um, that religious fundamentalists are staying in. Now this is important because it basically feeds into the right. I think I said this in the previous episode but 
as long as a far right group exists, it will breed more right groups. Like there's this one extremist group, you know, if we have um, an extremist Christian club, why don't we have an extremist Muslim club? Why don't we have an extremist Judaism club? It is basically that same way. So because Christianity is having a rise of the far right and because they like to talk about, you know, the far right of Christianity, they like to talk about uh, the Jews being a problem. Then the religious fundamentalists on the, on Judaism side, they're going to do the same thing as well. And that is troublesome because the apartheid state mostly and because it has ties to the beginning of fascism. Because anyways, Islam and Christianity do stem from Judaism. So... It is troublesome that the religious right is like uh, it's like a ripple effect. Christianity started it, and then it's spreading like wildfire between uh, religion. And of course, it's not that dangerous right now in the West. Like we don't have terrorism, we don't have um, the Crusades, we don't have uh, Christian youth feeling violent. But we do have white nationalism, and that is endorsed by Christianity. And it's only a matter of time, if we don't do anything about it, that people will link, uh, will use Christianity to link between white nationalism, and then the and the current like present day mildly Christian youth. Yeah, really interesting history of Israel that you you mentioned there, and how Christianity and Islam actually comes from uh, the the religion of Judaism. Interesting, yeah. So this is a subject I haven't actually really considered an awful lot. This is why I appreciate your contributions to it. I'd just like to say that we're talking about you know these crusades not happening anymore. I'd agree that you know what Israel's doing. Well, it is a crusade, <laughs> a crusade against the Palestinians. Like, I'm, I'm sure you know that. I just wanted to put that in a way that our listeners could recognise. Yes, only. Okay, so next up, please tell us why you think a moral victory on the left is not actually a victory at all. I've already mentioned how Bernie, he lost to Clinton. He's just dropping out and the idea of, yeah, I had the right idea, but I'm not even going to give it to you as a choice, which is, again, the fake sense of democracy that capitalism provides. Um, That is not a victory because a moral victory doesn't count. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we're going to have much more exploitation. The idea that globalism um, and multiculturalism have as progressive values is good. But I think, and thanks to liberalism, uh, thanks to liberalism and like social justice um, kind of stuff, I think it has been perverted especially multiculturalism has been perverted. Right, I'm going to give you an example, but there was a time where, like, it's always a kind of an unspoken thing that the police doesn't really work, you know, like, they they don't really... um, The idea that the police being racist in other countries, but I don't think so in Britain, it's rather that they don't care. It's rather that they're they're more afraid of being racially profiled than actually doing 
their job. I don't think that individual policemen think so, but I think because of PR and because of what the liberal media is pushing against the police as the police being racist and whatever, so they respond by complete apathy when it comes to um yeah, when it comes when it came to a case of a man dying and they never really I never really felt like they cared. And it's because of the idea of multiculturalism of you know, let them deal with their own problems. And if we deal with that, we, we're then going to be uh, the bad ones. Uh, that is, again, another one of them moral victories that end up detrimental to our communities. Yeah, most definitely. Because, again, if, even if Bernie would have won, it wouldn't have actually been, it wouldn't have been any resemblance of a victory whatsoever. He would not have been able to get a single thing past Congress. How the hell would he? They all hate him. They all thought he was a joke. He can't just make things happen by himself. Um, so, yeah. Also, when it, regarding police in the UK not being racist, you know, I think Mark Duggan, who, of course, got shot dead, uh would would disagree there are instances of police brutality in the uk but very interesting point when it comes to like police not wanting to pursue charges against a minority uh, you know in fear of them themselves being labeled racist i know that the right-wing people have actually picked this up and this is actually used to ferment even more racism and alienation with the minority because, uh, you know, there was the, this Rossdale, you know, event where there was, like, meant to be a secret grooming group and the Rossdale police never done anything about it because they were indeed worried about being seen as racism when, of course, they should have not have hesitated to, you know, free these flipping kids being held captive by a, a, a grooming gang. So, yeah, that's one example where the police have hesitated to not actually be seeing racism. Very interesting point and also more interesting because of how this is picked up and spread all around Twitter by absolute racists. So it's crazy to think they're both, you know, acting and being seen as a racist and not failing to do something because you might be seen as a racist, uh, like really leads to the same effect of further racism. <laughs> so, yeah, please continue with that point. What else is in a, a moral victory? Another moral victory that is very bad is the misinformation during Brexit. Like, we can't complain that that, that vote was bad and that it went south. And at the same time, we have failed to provide enough information to the masses and say, yeah, uh, maybe this guy was lying uh, or Nigel Farage was lying and they, they were creating crazy numbers about how much we're paying the EU. Okay, yeah, maybe these are lies, but just pointing out that they're lies doesn't mean that you've done any better. That's just the the main four examples I have on, on moral victories and how they're extremely frustrating when it comes to that. Yeah, nice one for that. So they were all interesting points. So regarding Brexit, I mean, I, again, this I don't really look to electoral politics shit, as you can see, um, because it's all just some, some way for the bourgeoisie to to debate amongst themselves and which way they want capitalism to go and as well as how to get better investments for themselves. And this Brexit was really, 
you know, again, I've mentioned in a, in a previous episode, just the same way that Trump was talking about closing the borders, Brexit was the UK's version of doing it, uh, just to get the people rallying behind, you know, racism once again, uh, and to argue amongst themselves once again, instead of going, well, wh- why, why the fuck do we need the Brexit? Why do we need to be in the EU? Why isn't the world just sustainable? Um, and why don't we have these relations and laws and rights anyway? The point I want to raise on the subject is that now that we're not in the EU, we, we have no human rights. The UK is scrapping it, they're replacing it with a British Bill of Rights. So again, this is just basically the we're going to go to shit. We're going to end up buying chlorine fucking coated chicken from the United States. Obviously, just look at the diabetes, look at how many people die overweight, look at all the health problems in the American population of, you know, Monsanto foods. No, thank you. I don't like poison, but that's what we're going to be eating because our food standards are gone and obviously we are what we eat and you know again we can't pick berries off a fucking tree outside anymore because all there is is concrete and road and land everywhere so we have to sell a label to buy shit from shops and everything that's going to be in the shop is going to be artificial and toxic and give us all cancer that's why one out of four people in the world are going to die of cancer so yeah I mean it's either going to be me, you, or two of these listeners now, unfortunately, and that's down to a diet. That's really the main thing that pisses me off about Brexit um, is diet, nutrition, and Bill of Human Rights. We have got to finish up now, unfortunately. I could speak to you forever. I'd love to go into feminism, but unfortunately, I'm not going to have the time. I've got to go and get me, <laughs> me labour exploited by work. So before we finish up, the any more topics that you want to squeeze in and, and mention? We are all ears. Before we just finish up on where people can find you, find your work, follow you online, give you support and discuss these issues further. Right, yeah, I'd love to talk. Uh, if you'd like to talk to me, I'm on Twitter, writer underscore Zola. That's writer underscore Z-O-L-A. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm also on Medium, but yeah, if you could go in my Twitter, you get linked to my Medium. Uh, please check the Medium out mostly and Twitter because I post, I post mostly ex-Muslim stuff on the blog, but I will post a lot more lifestyle and I even have poetry there. So do check my Twitter out and then. Awesome, yeah, I should reiterate that people should definitely go and check out your medium. You are an excellent writer, um, really interesting talking points there, really interesting works of art. Also, you've got a Patreon, you know, your Patreon off the top of your head, so people can go on there, give you any support you need there, because we all need an extra bit of hand to make hands meet. Yeah, but that's also linked to my Twitter. Thanks for having me on the show, Shivs. My pleasure. Really interesting points there. Um, it was a bit challenging because these, again, just topics that people don't really talk about very often. So I really had to get my brain going there. I hope that I was able to contribute with analysis there. I do love you down to earth, uh, openly blunt, but really thoughtful and considerate heart that you put into all the work that you produce so that we could come on and have these discussions. Yeah, awesome stuff. Do keep in touch. You can reach me the same place everybody else you know my social media is pretty much everywhere it's easy to find you can find on me twitter you can find all the links everything else there but 
Massive thank you to Zola. It was really interesting and informative. Uh, I'm going to go away and lighten the hope the listeners will do as well. Uh, Zola, again, thank you so much. We actually was meant to do a recording earlier on and I couldn't do it because I was really upset over my son. I miss him. And yeah, I was, I was fucking crying my eyes out and Zola actually was understanding and we just rescheduled and she actually stayed on to speak to me and cheer me up for a bit. So Zola, I'll never forget that. Thank you. I'm including it in the podcast so it stays for prosperity. Uh, yeah friend forever love you to everybody else Ryan is going to be on every other episode we just had a bit of a mix up in our planning so with that said our love to our listeners workers and lumping of the world unite all I people need to hear this it's a lot of names on my head list mouths to say what he wants to piss is still wet like a big bitch I should run the whole blog at this rate they using my name for big bitch Everybody wanna be this If I sue, I'll hate me, bitch Bring my problems and suck my dick